This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, The Majority Report, The Jimmy Dore Show, The David Pakman Show, Throwing Shade, Dan Savage, and The Rachel Maddow Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode contains discussions of lady parts, so get ready to feel dirty and shamed. Rush Limbaugh has a unique theory about uh, women and politics, how the Democrats want to use women, how they want to get them to vote against Republicans. Uh, this is awesome because there's going to be a caller here who is a woman. In the beginning, he's going to tell her to shut up and while he talks about women. Here, I want to tell you and everybody else how the Obama campaign looks at women. Every one of them. This is how they approach women. This is how they attempt to get their votes. You are Beth. Beth? Yeah. You don't interrupt me here. I want you to hear every word of it. You are a vagina. You use it multiple times a day and you want somebody else to pay for the contraception so that you can use your vagina every day and then when the contraception fails you want an abortion and you want somebody else to pay for that I'm your guy vote Obama that's their appeal to women and their appeal is that Republicans don't like your vagina they don't want you using your vagina except when they want to and then if you do get pregnant by God you are going to have the baby and then you're gonna be put in jail Right, 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 which is crazy. I wish I had time to use my vagina millions of times a day, but unfortunately, due to this economy, I'm working probably 15 hours a day, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Well, that's why um, it's insulting. You are, he, they, they, they treat women as the, 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 the she's a uh, one dimension. That was awesome in so many ways. First of all, who says to one of their listeners, you are a vagina. <laughs> and then he's setting this whole thing up like, oh, Democrats think that all, that's all you want to do is use your vagina. But, of course, you're not just that. You're not one-dimensional, etc. I guess is his point. And then she says, oh, I'd love to use it a million times a day. <laughs> that's not really where he was going with that rant. <laughs> so, but the overall point is the best one, which is, look, they want you to look away. They know that that's a losing issue for them. So that's why Rush Limbaugh is trying to distract you, saying, oh, you're not just that. that that's what the Democrats want you to think. It's, of course, projection. What he said in the middle there about the Republicans is exactly what they think. In reality, they're obsessed with that. They're obsessed with controlling that. They don't want you to have your control over your own body. They want to make the decision. The guys who are in favor of small government when it comes to them love big government and controlling your bodies when it comes to you, right? So they're obsessed about it, but he projects and says, oh, Democrats are obsessed by it, right? Why? Because it's a losing issue for them. The women don't agree that Rush Limbaugh should control their bodies. They think they should control their own bodies. That's why Michelle Malkin is doing uh, some uh, talking point now. I saw it on Fox News. I've, uh, she's using it on Twitter, etc., saying, uh, ladies, use your lady smarts. Don't worry about your lady parts. In other words, yeah, of course, the Republicans, they want to control your lady parts. So ignore that. Ignore that. Instead, be smart and vote for the Republicans who want to control your body. Oh, okay. That's really smart. I really appreciate it. Think of what you're saying. You can get it wrong and still you think that it's all right. Think of what I'm saying. We can work it out and get it straight or say 
Have you ever heard of this thing called Luke Russert? Twitter is in a tizzy. Luke Russert, when Nancy Pelosi said that she was going to uh, keep her, uh, her leadership position, he said, don't you think it's time for you to let the younger generation take a chance? Now, I believe, first off, that Luke Russert would never ask this question of a man. It's absurd. Do you think that he's going to ask this of Joe Biden? Secondly, I believe, and I may be wrong, but the steady Hoyer is actually older than Nancy Pelosi. Is he? He's a year older than Nancy Pelosi. There you go. He's a year older than Nancy Pelosi. Now, with all due respect to Luke Russert, how did you get your job? Oh, wait, I know. I know. You know, someone should write a book on the twilight of the elites, like the failure of the American meritocracy. This is Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. He's a Tea Party activist that has appeared on the Sean Hannity Fox News show uh, several times. And he's also a founder of an organization where Sean Hannity serves as an advisory board member. This is all true. I like his resume. And so here's, uh, so he's got a great resume, right? So he's, here we, and here we go. I realize that one of the primary reasons is that it is over for America <laughs> is because women are taking over. <laughs> Okay, this is true. This is a real guy from Sean Hannity sits on this guy's board. He's been on Sean Hannity. He's a reverend. Here we go. So-called powerful positions and now they're running companies. They're making decisions and not all, not all, not all. Let me say not all so that because they're running, running, give me a funny face now. He said not all women. Right. But he looks at another woman in the audience. Goes, she just gave me a funny face. Not all women. <laughs> when I said not all, I don't understand. Okay, here we go. Thank you. But um, not all. There are some, a few out there, that <laughs> logical women can make sound decisions, but Whoa. most cannot. Wow. Yes. As, as evidenced by the fact that they are sitting in the pews in front of you, they certainly those women are making some very bad decisions. Wow. Um. And the unfortunate thing is that they're in powerful positions. They're running businesses and, and, and things like that. And the one thing I know for sure, for without sure. a doubt, for sure, I think it's for sure. Women cannot handle power. <laughs> it's not in them to handle power in the right way. <laughs> they don't know what to do with it. And, and then secondly, it's not real power anyway. Power that the world gives you is not power. No, it's all ego building. The real and true power come from God, and God is the one that gave man the power and the authority. Yes! Oh, 
my God. God made me better than women, and that's not ego. And if women get power, that's just their ego. I got God power. God gave made man better. I think he's kind of right though, because when I have power, I don't know what to do. You don't do know what to do it. with it. You don't know what to do right now. You're I so don't. stupid. I want to know what nurse uh, gave him that bottle of second all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? Over the- hey, God, he's got a little bit more. Five and to uh, uh, spiritually guide the world in the right way to go. And I realize that men made mistakes in the past, mm. but really? more, most men did not make mistakes in the past. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, this my. is fun. When men were in charge, things were tougher, you know, and more solid. Men are more solid. And it's not like that anymore. Nope. And um, the one thing I realized that the world has done to women, women have been degraded. Women are now. <laughs> not, like how, not like how you're degrading them. <laughs> <laughs> it's got nothing to do with you saying that they're not good, they're not as smart, God made them inferior. It's got nothing to do with that. Women, How are women degraded, Pastor? Degraded. They have no shame. There's a woman from Georgetown University. Oh. And I know you heard about this story. She testified be- from some, uh, before a committee and uh, about condoms and birth control and all that kind of stuff. And in her testimony, she said that women need, uh, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have all her exact words. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the facts. I don't have, I'm going to talk about this. I don't have a quote from her. I'm just going to make up some stuff. Here we go. Women need to be able to get free birth control, free condoms, and things like that. She said that it's not right that a woman can't get it, especially if they're in college and stuff like that. And she said that women in colleges spend up to $3,000 on birth control and condoms and things like that. A person? A person, per person. But this woman is standing that's just there a long weekend. <laughs> Homecoming. And they're making it, testifying about how much all the sex they're having and all that kind of stuff. But this woman sitting there testifying about how much sex they're having out of wetlock. And all these women into all this stuff with no shame. Women would not have done that in the good old days. There would have been a sense of shame about it. Yeah, you know, the, the, good, old, good, old, the days. good old days when we used to hang black people from trees. Remember the good old days? Sure. Women had proper shame and you had to drink at a different water fountain. Remember the good old days when you got beaten, uh, when you got pulled over by a cop and put in the back of the bus? But women had the proper shame. The good old days. You remember those good old days? I love guys who talk about the good old days. I'd love to see you back in the good old days. I'd love to see you. You and Sean Hannity couldn't ride in the same bus together in the good old days, okay? And I, my favorite part really was the woman from the audience who says, how many? Individual? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> individual? Individual? <laughs> yes, but, but for our $3,000 for birth control. Is that per individual? Yeah, this is the important part. I got to get all the facts yeah, before let, I can let me hate women this. who use birth control. I have to get all the facts. Okay, so he goes on and on. We don't have time, but that's oh. it. Oh, that's it? You, you want me to play? I can play a little bit. That was enough. Just, that was oh, enough she for had me. no shame because... about it. I'm like, wow. First of all, she's presenting herself. Rush Limbaugh called her a slut. And she didn't, re- she does, she didn't realize that she looked like a slut sitting there <laughs> making that type of confession. Confessing that type of thing. Oh. Yeah, she didn't realize what an idiot she looked like. She didn't realize but this guy, Mr. Self-Awareness, <laughs> this guy totally has his finger on the pulse. Look at him, look at me. That boy is bad and I want to sleep. He's a wolf in disguise. 
Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. Saudi Arabia has implemented an electronic tracking system for women. As you know, Lewis, women must be tracked at all times. You must be aware of where your women are at any time because they could be getting into all sorts of trouble because, after all, they are women. Of course. Um, this, is, this is essential. This seems to be the logic in Saudi Arabia. Just another example of how Saudi Arabia is way ahead of the curve. Why don't we have this here? <laughs> women are denied the right to travel without consent from their male guardians in Saudi Arabia. They are also banned from driving. And women in Saudi Arabia are now monitored by an electronic system that tracks any cross-border movement. Since last week, Saudi women's male guardians have been, uh, started getting text messages on their phones, informing them when women under their custody leave the country, even if they're traveling together. Okay. Okay. Uh, Manal al-Sharif, who became the symbol of a campaign urging Saudi women to defy the driving ban, which we covered on the show... Yes. Or the bonus show, I don't remember. Started spreading this information on Twitter after she was alerted by a couple. This is just unbelievable. The authorities are using technology to monitor women. I actually think that they need to go even further. Uh, why not a... Uh, this system is very is technologically obsolete. You need a microchip in the woman so that it's completely automated. It's not based on uh, customs forms or anything of the sort. Right. Uh, now, the alert happens when they leave the country? Right. I mean, isn't it too late by then? Uh, well, the, it's simply to make so. In other words, they have to have permission. So this is like a it's like a safety where the man will get a text. So then, if he says, "Wait a second, I never gave permission," then there would be some suggestion that maybe the document was forged or something of the sort. But yeah, then they'd be out of the country. Maybe it's too late. Right, right. Or if they leave the country through unconventional means, then it would still go completely under the radar. Is that is that what's happening? Right, because there's no they're not microchipped. Right, Lewis. women need to be microchipped That's to it. really be accurate. That's it. This is a truly though. This is a cautionary tale for the for the United States because the religious right in the U.S. essentially wants a Christian version of Sharia law. This is all done under the guise of Sharia law. Mm. Isn't that Natan what really we need to be taking from this rather than just saying how backwards it is? Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I just think it's a shame that oil can't run out sooner in Saudi Arabia. Because I think all of this would go away pretty quickly if that happened. A lot of problems. Would, a lot of things would change if the oil ran out in Saudi Arabia, both in terms of American alternative energy development and a lot of the stuff that's going on. Uh, unfortunately, I think things would get worse if the oil ran out in Saudi you Arabia. You think so? I think so. Yeah. Well, that's a story for another day. All right.
So the Republicans, before the elections, were talking about, oh my God, we've got women in our party and they're going to be part of the leadership. They literally ran a video of Republican women talking about how, you know, they're going to be the leaders of the party. Well, great. Now, we've had the election. The Republicans have maintained uh, their lead. They lost a little bit of their lead in the House, but overall, they still have the majority, right? So this would be a perfect time to have women in leadership. Well, lucky for uh, the Republicans, they've got 19 open positions. So of the 19 committee chairmanships, how many of them went to women or, by the way, minorities? That would be zero. Every single one went to an old white male. <laughs> you want to see what these guys look like? This is the diversity in the Republican Party. Watch, these are the 19 chairs. Yep, yep, that would be the grand old white male party. <laughs> I love that they bragged that they had diversity. Okay, you remember Rush Limbaugh here? Let's go to video 19. You remember after the election, Rush Limbaugh couldn't figure out, my God, why aren't minorities voting for us? We've got all these minorities. Here, watch. We put forth some of the most accomplished minorities this country has to offer. We have, the Republican Party has more elected Hispanics serving in office than the Democrat Party has. And yet, what is said about Republicans? Racists, sexists, bigots, homophobes that discriminate and so forth. Why does putting Condoleezza Rice front and center at the convention not work? Why does putting Marco Rubio front and center at the convention not work? Why does putting Suzanne Martinez, the governor of New Mexico, front and center convention not work? Why does putting Mia Love, who sadly lost, one of the most accomplished achieved, decent people in this country. She's African-American. She I don't know why it didn't work. Hey, Jesus, can you show me the 19 committee chairs again? Uh, I, you know, why when we put some people as tokens on a stage, did it not work? But in fact, when we choose our leadership, they look like this. Gee, I don't know, Rush, why didn't it work? By the way, of those 19 guys you're looking at now, how many of them, to be fair, voted for the Lilly Ledbetter Act? Now, Lilly Ledbetter Act is for equal pay for women, right? Now they get 77 cents to every dollar that the guy is, get, right? So Lilly Ledbetter would allow them to uh, seek compensation if they were discriminated upon, right? So of those 19 guys, how many of them voted for the Lilly Ledbetter Act? Zero. Nada, not one of them. So it's not just that they're getting the leadership positions. It's not just that they're white or male. It's how they vote. It's the policy. That's what Rush can't get through his head. He's like, I don't get it. We got a couple of chumps who, who are minorities or women, and we put them on stage and told them to t say the things we told them to say. Why didn't that work? It didn't work because the American people aren't nearly as stupid as you think they are, right? They see who you, leads your party, and they see the decisions that they make, the policies that they make. By the way, how many women are there in the Republican Party in the House right now? There's 20 out of 233 Republican House members. So they didn't have a lot to choose from because that's not where women go. Why? Because the Republican Party is not in favor of women's rights. They want to take away women's rights. Introduce on reproductive rights alone thousands of bills across the country, literally, right? And then there's the equal pay and the list goes on and on. And by the way, for the first time in history, the House Democrats have more women and minorities than white males. So. As one party looks more and more like America, 
The other party looks like 1955. And gee, I can't figure out why the Republicans seem to lose and can't figure out the new demographics of this country and the people that they're supposed to be representing. When in fact, of course, they have no such interest. All they want to do is keep representing the same old good old boys. Just a good old boys. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Brian, you know the movie Bad News Bears? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, so um uh, who is it? Tatum O'Neill yeah. and Christy McNichol. And well, let's pretend that you're a bear, and I have Ooh. bad news for you. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like a bear, like a like a gay bear, that's like leather just, chaps. Yeah, yeah, yellow water sports, piss play, that kind of thing. Are you ready? Yeah, exactly. Okay, whatever you want. Yeah. Are you ready for the bad news, bear? I'm ready, baby. Women aren't women anymore. What? Everything. The, what the fuck are they? They're just these man hating. Ball chopping off, angry, defensive, career loving, child hating, walking vaginas. Oh God, that sounds worse than ever. Although it is like it is funny to picture a woman as just a walking vagina, isn't it? You know fun? What I mean? It's funny. Because it's all it's I like, see. You know, Alienation, yeah. the movie, the show. Al- Alienation. It's the only show I've ever seen in my life. Well, that's what I see when I see women walking i'm the i'm the guy who can only see the aliens but instead of aliens i see just walking vaginas yeah do you have that disease too i do i have the yeah i have the the disease where i see dogs and uh and all i see are you know the face of laura bush oh yeah i have that's just me that's not i don't have that problem yeah so this woman suzanne vankner oh i thought you were gonna say suzanne sugar baker yeah i know and you know i just want to clarify really quickly this suzanne vankner is no relation to peter vankman from ghostbusters She did this fun story on Fox News today, which I'm sure everyone's been talking about. It's called The War on Men. Well, there is a war on men, that is for sure. Well, don't, not, I mean, Syria is different. Are you talking about Syria? Yeah, and the Gaza Strip. That is. She's talking about a culture war. Oh, I see. Not, not, doesn't involve guns, it involves hot. People who hated Anna Karenina. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So anyway, this woman has written first of all she loves colorful necklaces let's make that very clear okay, okay. she loves colorful necklaces she likes the funky funky chain mm-hmm. she was a teacher turned social commentator okay she's written lots of books let me just tell you about what a little bit about her background so she this is her bio from the article just to give you some background before i get into it please do so she's written extensively about politics parenting and the influence of feminism on american society her latest book, How to Choose a Husband and Make Peace with Marriage, 
will be published in February 2013. So fucking mark your calendars, motherfuckers. February 2013, How to Choose a Husband. That's the day before Valentine's As Day. If ladies get the choice of that. I mean, let's be honest. Like, dudes sort of pick that one out. Well, not anymore. Girls will marry anyone. No, because guys, no. Here's the thing. She's, she's the author of three books, three whole books on American family and its intersection with pop culture. And she spent 13 years examining social agendas as they pertain to sex, parenting, and gender roles. And Brian, during this time, during this time, she's spoken with hundreds, maybe thousands. There's really too many to count. count. Right. Of men and women. And here's what she came up with. Oh, boy. Here's what these people told her in confidence. These hundreds, she's met hundreds of people over the course of 13 years. Can you imagine? No, I can't. Can you imagine? Not at all. So she said that she's accidentally stumbled upon a subculture of men who have told her in no uncertain terms that they're never getting married. And when she says, why, Mm boo-boo, why you not get married? Right. The answer is always the same. Women aren't women anymore. Well, they're not. Which I I can't think of a clearer statement for hundreds of men to make, according to this woman. Well, have you heard of, um, have you heard of a transgender Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think she's... So I think she means that Mm-mm. most women are actually becoming men now. She's saying women be acting different. Oh, that's I see. That's what she's saying. Yeah. So she's saying... Is that why I'm getting... I don't know. I feel like that's why lately I've been very, very attracted to Kathy and Jimmy. Yes. That's probably due to that. Yeah. That, I mean, that and your your deep, deep, deep love for uh, all movies about nuns. Yes. And yeah. Veronica's Closet. Oh, you love Veronica's Ooh, Closet. Ooh, girl. Okay, so she says that here's how women are. This is why women aren't women anymore. Okay. Because these guys, I guess they didn't like launch into like specifics. No. So they just walked up to this woman and said, here's the problem. They basically handed her a Starbucks and said, women aren't women anymore. Have yeah. a good day. That should be, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, start using phrases on Starbucks cups when I give my name and I'm going to use that one tomorrow so that someone goes, women aren't women anymore. Large latte. So that you can just proclaim it, but it's not really you it's saying it. It's not me. It. I'll say, whoa. Oh, what a lot. point of view is that? That's a smart way to use someone as a mouthpiece. Yeah. So she says that gender relations have tra- changed dramatically. And women have changed dramatically, but men really haven't because they haven't really had a need to. Yeah. They've had no revolution to demand it, she says. No, except you have to be quieter when you fart in offices now. Oh, you really do. That's really the, that's really men, that's a male, a new problem for men. Yeah. Being quiet when you... well, you They're can turning still, farts into queefs. You can still fart, but you have to do it real silent. You have yeah. to do that fart where you bend over. Uh-huh. You bend over. So there's a lot of shoe tying for guys now. That's right. Or you have to make it sound like a trombone. And, and that's only if you're at the symphony. Yeah. And then and then you have to, if you do make it sound like a trombone, you have to then make your ringtone a trombone so that you can pass it off as your phone ringing or it's getting a text message. Exactly. And then you risk getting kicked out of the theater. It's really don't do it. Well, I thought we were in an office, but we, I, I like that we've really... Hit all the places that men go. Well, it's a call. Office it's, and theater. Yep. Okay. So in a nutshell, women are angry. And she also says they're defensive, even though sometimes they don't know they're being defensive. And that's because they've been raised to think of men as the enemy. As the enemy. Okay. And that's why women have pushed men off of me- male pedestal. Oh, yeah. oh, well, kind of like a cliff, but a pedestal is a little shorter so they don't get hurt. Yeah. And she also says that she wants to add this in when she mentions men's pedestals, that women have had their own pedestal, but feminists convince them otherwise. 
Well, okay. feminists in my mind have always done all they could to lower women. You yeah. know what I mean? To make them. Well, that's really what she's saying. Yeah. Like you don't, women don't, do you really want to have a voice? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Except on this, like the show, the voice for like singing pretty. Mm-hmm. Like you, what do you have to say really? Really? Like, I don't know. Barbies, Barbie car. Uh, oh, get me a Corvette. Oh God. Isn't, um, you know, John Stamos handsome. I mean, you know what I mean? Well, I'll take your point and I'll, I'll give you this one, which I think would be the next logical step of what you would keep saying if I let you keep talking. Okay. She says, but what if the dearth of good men and ongoing battle of the sexes is hold on to your seats? Okay. Women's fault. Well, it is. Okay. Well, see, that's what she said. But you don't hear that in the media. Yeah. Everything is a woman's fault. Energizer batteries going dead. Hats being too floppy. Colombian cartel. It's all. All of it. Yeah. All of it. She's saying there's so many articles and books. They're putting women front and center. While men and children take the back seat, okay? Ugh. And after years of browbeating the American male, men are tired. They're tired of being told there's something fundamentally wrong with them. I am exhausted because I've well, last night I took two Benadryl and an Ambien. I'm exhausted. See? Yeah. Because, because there's something fundamentally wrong with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I do think she's talking about straight men, but she doesn't make that distinction. Right. So I, just, no, I, it, I, I don't want you to be take any of this personally because no. I don't think it has anything to do with you. No. She's got a lot of very clear, very logical points, like this one. Not only are women saddled with the consequences of sex, by dismissing male nature, they're forever seeking a balanced life. That, so that's clear to you what she's saying, right? For sure, yeah. You understand everything she's saying. Yeah, something that about this and that and the other and whatever. And then she also says, the fact is women need men's linear career goals. They need men to pick up the slack at the office in order to live the balanced life they seek, which to me is like, here's the only sentence that's clearer than that. One plus one equals two. Exactly. I can't, I mean, this woman should really, she should teach young children how to read because she's so clear. Yeah. She should teach a logic class and it's just like why things are this way or, you know, the other, it should be called why things are this way or the other. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let me just let me just tell you, let me hit the three points at the end of her article because I do Ooh, think it's pleasure points. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna read her three G spots. Got it. So if men today are slackers and if they're retreating from marriage on mass, I'm not gonna get married to a woman. No, you won't. I'm not. She proves that I'm not doing it. It's because yeah, you are. You really are. You're not the exception to the rule. You are the rule. Thank you. Okay, so if men today are slackers and if they're retreating from marriage in mass. Women should look in the mirror, which they're already doing. Right, makeup, Bobby Brown, B-O-B-B-I, not the, you know, widower of Whitney. Exactly. They should ask themselves what role they've played to bring about this transformation. Fortunately, Brian, there is some good news, Bears. Oh, good. Women have the power to turn everything around. All they have to do is surrender to their nature, their femininity, and let men surrender to theirs. If they do, marriageable men will come out of the woodwork. Women, you have the power to make change by being powerless. That's all you have to do. Surrender your, you know how, you know how you love independence and paying your own bills and like having a voice? Fuck that shit. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it bucket. Put it in a bucket bucket and turn it. Put throw it right in the river because it doesn't mean a goddamn thing. It's like my invention called woman seat. You know, uh, car seats for babies. Yeah. So it's a woman that you put in a seat in the back seat and you like strap her in and she only leaves the car when you let her out. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But did she, can she cook in there? Yeah. No. Well, then you can leave. There's also a kitchen seat. There's different straps that you can affix to a woman in every room. Brian, tell me this though: is there a zipper for her mouth? 
there is a zipper for okay. her mouth, but you know, you unzip it when it's like time to get. When you, you know, want to get, when you want to get a blowjob. Blow that would be painful though, because there, remember, there was a zipper mouth. No, I like teeth. Oh, you like metal zipper teeth on your dick? I zip up my dick every chance I get. I know you do. A zip. You know, I'm, I, I do an invention called zip up your dick and it's just basically a zipper that you keep zipping on your dick so that. I don't know if that needs an explanation. No, because then when you get too tired to hook up with someone, they look at your dick and it's mutilated and they're like, never mind. I don't want to do this. You're like, score, get out. I love that. I love that Suzanne is, is, is so quick to blame women for the problem and yet she's blaming women for being angry. And and kind of telling it like it is, but then she's she's doing that. She's oh, angry yeah. at women. Yeah, she's angry at women because she thinks women are angry at men, and it's a circle of anger. Mm-hmm. Now I agree. There are there. I think that there's a lot of men men blaming out there. I think there is, but I don't think it has anything to. I mean, there's been a lot of shitty things done to women by men. Yeah, in general. In this country. Also, if like we Brian, learned- you specifically. Thank you. You're out to get me all the goddamn time. Yeah, no, I know. And by the way, I meant to tell you earlier, do not start your car. No, start your car. Like within the next hour, just give it a start. Why? Just something might, fun might happen. Have you did ever you put tra- an explosive under my car? I did. We cannot, you cannot keep blowing my stuff up. You cannot keep doing everything to my car that happened to people in the Pelican Brief. I know. Well, the, the only, the only thing I know how to do is base all my moves off John Grisham movies. All right. Well, I just. Holly Hunter's in a wig in your trunk right now. Well, here's the thing. I know what you're going to do because I've seen all those movies. Oh. Remember, I read all the John Grisham books in college because I wanted to be a lawyer. Did you read the Christmas one? That's no, legitimately that's a- my mom's favorite book. John Grisham had a Christmas book called like The Christmas Lawyer. It's her favorite book she ever read. Is it really called a Christmas lawyer? Something like that. Jesus. It's like Christmas at the law office. Anyway, guys, all I want to say is please read this article by Suzanne Vankner. She's a happy woman. She's about putting women up on a pedestal and letting them, uh, finding out how they can succeed and be powerful and, um, have rights, equal rights. And she's not interested in having heterosexual guys change a goddamn thing. As far as she's, she should write a book called Business as Usual. Yeah. Telling everyone how to get back to business as usual. Yeah. And also called colon, uh, history repeats itself, but it's not the symbol colon. It's someone's actual picture she, of a colon. What if she called it? Her story repeats itself. That's funny. But she, still that you would have a picture of a colon. Look at this picture of her. She looks like a normal person. She looks like a loving, normal. She looks like she's right out of a Land's End catalog. Then that's the problem. Of Paul Ryan saying that the war on women is fictional. I mean, I think he might be right in saying that the war on women is metaphorical. There are no armies that are attacking women in this country. In that sense, I think Paul Ryan is correct. 
However, Roe v. Wade has been law of the land for 30 years now. Basically giving women sovereignty over their own bodies. We have seen an attack on those rights that has continued on almost since the mid-70s when uh, I think it was Jerry Falwell and some Republican operatives, I think it was Paul Weirich, got together and said, hey, we have the recipe for some electoral uh, magic here. And over the past four years, I think we've seen the right wing in this country become even more aggressive on this. So that a guy named Joe Walsh, running for Congress in Illinois, this is not the Bible Belt now, mind you. A supposed Tea Party guy. Remember the Tea Party? They're all about fiscal responsibility, whatever that is. Here he is saying that the idea that women have, that, that, that the, there needs to be an exception for the life of the woman when it comes to um, abortion rights for women is a joke because women's lives are never threatened by a pregnancy anymore because of science. Here we go. I'm pro-life without exception. Understand, though, when we talk about exception, rape and incest are exceptions. They're violent, horrific acts. Well, I'm, I'm pro-choice without restriction. And here's the thing, though. Mr. Walsh would actually, as he said, not for rape, incest, or life of the mother. He would let a woman die rather than to no, give her Stuckworth, and then to give fair. the that's doctor the fair. option to save her that's life. That's not fair. And, and, you know, that's not fair. And wait, here he is. Hold on, pause it. Here he is at a press conference right after that saying why it's not fair. This is an issue that uh, opponents of life throw out there to make us look unreasonable. There's no such exception as life of the mother. And as far as health of the mother, same thing with advances in science and technology. There's health of the mother has been has become a tool for abortions uh, for any time under any reason. The last point I'm going to make, Jeff, is again you've got two records on this issue to compare. Mine, pro-life against Tammy Duckworth, who supports taxpayer funding of abortion. So here he's saying that there is no there is no circumstance. That the idea of the health or the, the life of a, of a woman is, is a fiction because there are no more circumstances where that's the case. This guy is not only a right-wing nutjob, he's an idiot who apparently doesn't even know how to Google. Who apparently doesn't even think he can make these proclamations without even talking to a doctor. There is no there is no daylight between this dude and a guy like Todd Aiken who's talking about if you're really raped, you can't get pregnant. I mean, these people are off the rails. And we're talking about Todd Aiken sitting on the science committee, running for Senate. These people are just, you cannot tell. I mean, you, you want to say there's no armies attacking women? That's fine. But the idea that women's rights are not under siege by the right wing in this country is laughable.
Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. Joining me by phone, E.J. Graff, columnist for The American Prospect, where she writes about gender and sexuality issues and author of What is Marriage For? The Strange Social History of Our Most Intimate Institution, which is an excellent book, and I recommend it, and I've given it as gifts. Um, Hey, E.J., thanks for jumping on the phone with me. Hey, Dan, I'm honored. Uh, So you wrote about this case, and I've ranted and raved about this case, uh, and all Americans, I think, need to be familiar with this difficult to pronounce name, Savita Halapanavar, who was an Indian, um, uh, not American, she was an Indian woman who was traveling, who was in Ireland, uh, I believe seven months pregnant, is that correct? When she... uh, seven, 17 weeks pregnant. 17 I, I weeks that's pregnant. less than seven months. And uh, I had that, the visiting business wrong. She was, she and her husband were living there. He was working for Boston Scientific in Galway. And, uh, they had actually moved there from India because they heard Ireland was a good place to raise a family. Not so much as it turns out. Uh, 17 weeks pregnant, Savita began to miscarry and went to the hospital where what happened? They couldn't stop the miscarriage. Uh, she was in severe pain um, from the bleeding and other um, whatever else was happening. And she's after a day of miscarriage, severe pain, she started begging to have them uh, induce the delivery since they had already told her there was no way they could save the fetus. The fetus was going to die. And they refused to induce because that would be an abortion because the fetus still had a heartbeat. So she continued in severe pain over three days to be miscarrying. And every time she begged. She, they, her husband said she was in agony. They kept saying, we cannot, we cannot end this pregnancy because the fetus still has a heartbeat. A they, fetus that they knew to be doomed. The fetus that could not survive under any circumstances. They said, this is a Catholic country. And she said, I am neither Irish nor Catholic. They wouldn't change their minds. It wasn't a Catholic hospital, by the way. It was the, the, um, the standard hospital. Um, and when she, the fetal heartbeat finally stopped and they removed the fetus, they took her to their uh, to the ICU and she died. Of what? Septicemia and complications from the three days of bleeding and miscarriage. So because they refused to induce... Uh, she died. She died. So the, the, the doomed fetus that was never going to... Uh, survive outside the womb, died, and then the mother, this poor woman, after three days of agony and begging 
for to be induced, she also dies. And um, Ireland has uh, a very restrictive abortion law, kind of like the very restrictive abortion laws that right-wing politicians in America would like to bring to our shores, but has an exception for the life of the mother. In theory, it is not really clear. There was a um, several years ago, and I don't have the exact year, uh, they had a ruling from the um, human rights courts in um, the EU. There was a, a young girl... Uh, very young, I think she was 14, who wanted to go to England to have an abortion and was threatening to kill herself if she had to carry the child, the the, the, the fetus, to term. Um, Ireland wouldn't let her travel because they knew the purpose, and it ended up going to the uh, European Human Rights Court, and they said they have to have uh, an exception for saving the life of the mother that would encompass that. But apparently there have never been guidelines issued, and so there's now an Irish inquiry, a government um, investigation into this, and one hopes they will issue these guidelines. But, th- of course, the deeper problem is that um, even is how do the doctors know when they are following the guidelines? It's... The, they were understandably concerned that they could be arrested for um, murder or abortion or whatever the charge would be if they saved the life of Savita and then people said, someone later, some aggressive prosecutor said, she looks fine to us. It probably wasn't necessary. So it was a moment where there was a conflict between the life of the mother, the life of the, the, the fetus was definitely still had a heartbeat. It wouldn't survive outside the womb, still alive. They looked at her and said, well, you haven't suffered enough and you're clearly not dead yet. So we're going to err on the side of extending the fetal life of this baby that if, even yeah. if born alive is, will die instantly and erring. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't going to make it out. It, it, it was, it, it, it was, it, it wasn't going to make it. Yes. They, the, when, when faced with the choice between, um, a fetus that had no future, it wasn't even a choice between one life and another life. It was a choice between a non-life and an actual life. Um, they, they decided that they, they murdered yeah. an adult woman. Because they wouldn't allow her to make her own choices around her own medical care? They refused to save the life of a woman who died because she could not have uh, her pregnancy terminated. And if they had terminated her pregnancy when she asked, she would be alive today? Uh, No one can say that. She certainly could have gotten an infection anyway, but that would have been the standard of medical care. so, I mean, you, can, you can't prove the negative, but she certainly would have had a better shot. Okay, let, let's rant and rave about this. What is the takeaway here for American women and American men? The, the husband is also now widow, traumatized by this experience. What's the takeaway here in this country where right now women have, you know, except in states where they've made abortion effectively illegal, women in most places have the right to terminate their own pregnancies, uh, to, to make their own choice. But what's the takeaway as people listen to the debate, uh, you know, coming from legitimate rape 
party, the party of uh, rape as a method of conception, the party of uh, more anti-choice bills in the last two years than we've ever seen in history before. What's the takeaway for American men and women from this well, let's, case? Let's take a look around the world just for a second first. Um, it, it is very hard to talk about. I, it still makes me want to cry um, just when I think about the facts of it. Um, that Savita's death was definitely medieval. It, it came from this ideology that the idea of human life is sacred, and the ideology was so strong that erased the reality of an actual human life. The, 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 the problem I have with the quote-unquote pro-life movement, and I, I do respect many people who believe that life is a sacred thing. I respect that position, but when you have that idea so strongly, it, it can erase the facts of human life in which everything is messy and complicated and risky and unpredictable. And it, it, is, it, it, it doesn't take into account... People like to say the world isn't black and white. In between, there's gray. There's not gray. There's a lot of color in between. And in this case, the color was blood. The color was red. And this woman bled to death for the idea that uh, human life is always sacred and we human beings should not interfere with um, some idea of what the divine intends. So uh, just to look around no, Not just world, that, not just that, but the idea that if there's a conflict between non-viable fetal life and an adult human female, yep. that you err on the side of favoring non-viable fetal life over that adult human female. That you do not and uh, what is a non-viable life, correct. So, so here's, here's another story. The, over the summer, there was a Dominican um, teenage girl, a 16-year-old, who had leukemia, and they have a, a human life amendment, life begins at conception, um, under their constitution. And so she was refused chemotherapy. Then she started to bleed, and they refused to uh, terminate that pregnancy, too. She miscarried, and she also bled to death. That is what uh, the Human Life Amendment says. It says that that pure, innocent potential for life, not even actual extant life, but potential for life, um, is more important than the actual breathing, walking around, complicated person. And it, it's... It, it, I have trouble talking about it. I do, too. I do too. Like, there's a moment where we should just have like three minutes of silence where we can all just think about this and let it sink in. You, you, you literally get to a place where there are no words. That, yes, even though you and I, it's our job to have words for the unwordable. Um, so Joe Walsh this summer said that these circumstances don't exist, that medical science can always preserve both the mother and the fetus. Who was defeated by Tammy Duckworth? Right, Joe Walsh, who was a U.S. congressman and a teabagger. I thought for a second you said Joan Walsh, who was the editor oh, of the Salon. Joe, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> Joe Walsh, <laughs> teabagger, ranting, anti-choice congressman, who said that this doesn't exist anymore, that there are never moments where you have to make no. a choice between the life of the fetus and the life of the mother because medical science has reached this point where... Right. It can do anything. It can do anything. And that both lives can always be saved. Body. Yeah. And people Sorry. need to pay attention. You know, when Todd Aiken went out there and said uh, the, the female body has ways of shutting that thing down when a woman <laughs> is raped, what they're saying is if a woman has been raped, she can't be pregnant. So if she's pregnant, she wasn't raped. Therefore, you don't need a rape exception. Right. We and, just don't float, you know, Dan. 
Right. So if the woman drowns, she wasn't a witch. <laughs> Exactly. So these, these accept, you know, when people think they're being moderate on choice, and the right has worked very hard to move the center on choice, if they say, I'm, I'm against abortion except to save the woman's life or in cases of rape, that in practice results in women dying. Correct. Correct. And pro-life people are going to say that that's never what they meant to happen, right? The pro-life people that I know say they are actually in favor of um, uh, abortion to save the life of the mother, but th- but without safe abortions, real women really die, and sometimes they die. Like in those two cases, the Dominican teenager and um, Savita um, in Ireland. But those those are the those are the the rarest ones. They are easiest to grieve over. Other people die because they're going to do the riskiest possible thing in order not to give birth. I had um, a friend who ran an abortion clinic for many years, and she she did it really um, to save lives. She did save lives because she knew that if these women did not have safe abortions, they would either try to do it themselves or they would kill themselves. She said they, she ended up with a lot of women who came to her door saying, if I can't, if, if I can't get that, this done here, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill myself. And she says they were serious. And yet she had a father come in. She had a 14-year-old who needed an abortion. I don't know what happens to these 14-year-olds. Um, yes, I do. You know what happens to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been abused or they have been raped. And so this one was pregnant, and they were in the middle of giving her an abortion, and her father came in and tried to get past the security guards who were, it was hard, they were holding on to him. And they were telling him that the stage of the procedure, I don't know the medicine well enough, but this is what my friend told me, the stage of the procedure was such that if if he got in there and like ripped the instrumentation out at that moment, which is what he was trying to do, the child would die. And he said, I would rather see her dead than have an abortion. And that's, what kind of religion is that? Well, that's the pro-life movement in a nutshell. They would rather see you dead than have an abortion. Not all of them. Honestly, not but, all But no, of when them. it comes to practice, when the, the, the rubber meets the road, when it's not some abstract debate about life, when, when, when it comes down to reality, women die in places where abortion isn't safe and legal and a woman doesn't have a right to make her own choice. If Savita had, had the right to make her own choice and she attempted to make her own choice and her choice was respected and the medical care that she requested was provided to her, she would very likely still be alive today. Her husband's interviews are just heartbreaking. He says if we had been in the UK or in India, she would be alive and she could have more babies. That was their goal. Uh, it just, it makes, it, I mean, the, the wonderful thing is that there are protests going on in Ireland, and perhaps this case will be able to be used to, to really force them to reevaluate their, their policies. I once knew a man who learned such a thing, cut off his hand to spite his ring. Poison the well to spite the frogs, put down his song to spite the dough. Cut out his sleep to spite his dreams, picked all the flowers to spite the bees. He burned his Bible to spite the Lord, to 
took a day off to lick his wounds I heard him say Life is such a wretched affair I'm gonna hold my breath To spite the air The great state of Mississippi is a seriously conservative, seriously Republican place. Republican Governor Phil Bryant won there last year with 60% of the vote. Republicans control most of the statewide offices in Mississippi. Democrats don't even bother fielding candidates for all the statewide offices in Mississippi anymore. Republicans also control both chambers of the legislature, which means whatever Governor Bryant wants to put on his conservative Republican agenda, the legislature is essentially there just to say, go. And a lot of that agenda, the Mississippi Republicans like to wrap up in the mantle of free enterprise. Like when Governor Bryant signed the Small Business Regulatory Flexibility Act. He said he wanted no business to shy away from expanding or locating in our state because of burdensome mandates. That's how Mississippi Republicans like to be known, as the guys who will do away with burdensome mandates. At the same time, Mississippi Republicans are very much in the business of burdensome mandates, as long as the burden falls on folks they would very much like to put out of business in their state. The same month that the Mississippi Republican governor signed that Small Business Act into law, he also signed another law that targeted one Mississippi business in particular. It was designed on purpose to use state government red tape to close the last abortion clinic in Mississippi. The new law placed a mandate on this business in particular. It requires doctors at this one clinic to get admitting privileges at local hospitals. Since that law passed, the clinic's two main doctors have been trying to comply with the new regulation that was designed just for them. They've been applying for admitting privileges that the state now says they're supposed to have. The doctor started with a list of 12 hospitals in and around Jackson, where the clinic is. The clinic's owner tells us that their applications were 50 pages plus per doctor per hospital. The applications took, took weeks to compile, each hospital each time. Uh, two of them, the big teaching hospital in the city and the Baptist hospital in town, they wouldn't even accept the doctor's applications. Five other hospitals did agree to receive the doctor's applications, but they rejected them. Not on the merits of the doctors as doctors, but for administrative reasons, like the hospital's policies on abortion, or concern about disrupting the hospital's business within the community. And so this thing designed by Mississippi Republicans to be impossible turned out to be impossible. They wanted to create a new regulation that the state's one last abortion clinic could not follow because they wanted to shut it down. And we know this because Governor Phil Bryant said so on tape. I think it's historic. Um, today you see the first step uh, in a movement, I believe, to do what we campaigned on, to say we're going to try to end abortion in Mississippi. It is constitutionally protected, but that's not the point in Mississippi. In case Mississippi's governor somehow wasn't clear enough, the state's Republican lieutenant governor backed him up even more clearly. Our goal needs to be to end all abortions in Mississippi. I believe the admitting privileges bill uh, gives us the best chance to do that. Now that the clinic's doctors have been denied those admitting privileges, Mississippi Republicans' goal of using state government to end abortion in Mississippi has a very specific timeline. So you can now mark on your calendar January 11th, just a few weeks away, that is the date on which Mississippi's last remaining abortion clinic will become in violation of the law. 
just by being a functioning abortion clinic, unable to comply with regulations that were designed specifically to be impossible to comply with. Yesterday, the clinic asked a federal court to block enforcement of that law so they can stay open. So remember that date, January 11th. Unless that court intervenes, that date, January 11th, is when American women in one American state will lose access to what is supposedly their constitutionally protected right because Republicans in that state decided that for them. And uh, I was just listening to one of your shows where at the end you had a 
little thing about conservative and uh, uh, liberal biases and how it may affect the elections. I think I've learned that the mass media is dividing and conquer. I mean, they're using liberal, conservative as labels instead of looking at, hey, number one, we're humans. Number two, we're Americans. Why don't we start doing what's best for humankind and what's best for a fellow American, like ending wars? I, I didn't vote because someone was conservative or liberal. I voted for Dr. Jill Stein, who wanted to end the war. It's, for, it's a no-brainer. End the war, cut the military budget by $800 billion, capital B, and we would have enough money to put people to work. We'd have health care. We'd have education. We would stop picking the pockets of the poor working class and giving it to the 2% at the top. So end the war. Vote for the candidate that wants to end the war. And start. we start have to respect life. That's what we have to start doing, is respecting life. Whether it's labeled conservative or liberal, that's just divide and conquer. That's all that is. Anyway, great show, and, um, well, I'll keep listening. Ciao. Hey, it's Mike from Louisville. Just calling about the Ishmael population growth uh, bit. Uh, it seems like uh, there's a little bit of uh, being overly theoretical in that conversation between Ishmael and the students. It seems to me like the reason there's a lot of population in the third world has very little to do with food and a lot to do with lack of birth control. So in the first world, we have small populations or negative population growth because uh, women have the power to control whether they want to have kids or not and so when they get to choose between having more economic benefits or spending those economic benefits and their time raising children more often they are choosing to have less kids and be able to invest more in their kids and more on themselves and in the third world countries uh, they don't really have those options because birth control is not as readily available and um, it really has nothing to do with food. Nobody likes to watch their children starve and die, and so a lot of these folks would choose not to have kids if, in fact, the food signal of hunger and watching their kids die had anything to do with uh, them deciding then, oh, okay, I just won't have kids. Just, it's not really an option for them. Human beings have sex. When they have sex, they have kids, unless they have birth control, and that's really it, and it has nothing to do in my opinion, with what the first world uh, is cranking out as far as food supplies. So that's just my take on it. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So as I mentioned in the previous episode, I want to talk a little bit about the Chesapeake Climate Action Network today, uh, the director of which is Mike Tidwell, who we heard from in the previous episode because he's been making himself a little bit famous because he keeps writing books that predict terrible climate-related storms, such as uh, Katrina and Sandy just a few years before they actually happen, and then everyone gets mad at him for it. Uh, and so, of course, in, in, his, in the meantime, between writing those books, he's been directing uh, the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, actively trying to uh, avert 
those types of storms from from happening by organizing grassroots pressure and trying to pass legislation in Maryland, D.C. and Virginia. Uh, you know, and of course, being located near D.C. helps uh, rally people against the federal government, hoping to pass federal legislation as well. So this is the the organization where I actually used to work. Uh, I worked for Mike directly, but neither I nor Best of the Left have any financial ties to the organization anymore, uh, other than the fact that when they do fundraisers, I donate to them. So that's what's happening now, and uh, I... I'm not actually excited to talk about this, uh, as I'll explain, but in January, as they do every year, they're they're doing a polar bear plunge where they encourage their supporters to jump into the freezing cold Potomac River uh, and raise, you know, have their friends donate money on their behalf to encourage them to do this uh, terrible thing. And so, you know, I was really debating whether or not to do it. I thought, well, you know, I'll donate to it and I'll feel good about that. And then I did those two episodes on climate change and I thought, I don't have a good excuse to not do this. I just, I I really don't want to, but I'm going to. And uh, we'll hopefully the, the very genuine dislike of cold that I have will come through over the show and encourage you to uh, donate on my behalf to CCAN because, uh, believe me, I'm not doing this for my health. So uh, if you are interested in donating, I, I have already made a donation to sort of jumpstart my fundraising efforts. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is in addition to my body in cold water. Uh, so hopefully you will follow the link in the show notes. It is uh, bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash J's plunge, all one word, no capitals or spaces or anything like that. So that is happening towards the end of January. Uh, believe me, you'll be hearing about it uh, between now and then. But if you go ahead and donate now, then every time you hear me talk about it, you can tune out. Oh, yeah, that's that thing I already did. And then you don't have to feel guilty later uh, because you keep putting it off and putting it off. So, again, it's in the show notes, but it's bit.ly slash Jay's Plunge. Thanks in advance to everyone who uh, donates to that. It is obviously a cause that I genuinely uh, care about and, and am absolutely confident in the organization that the money is going to. That's why I do this. And so if that means anything to you, then hopefully you'll uh, follow my lead and uh, donate to this good cause. You know, it's the end of the year. People donate to places at the end of the year, I guess, for tax reasons maybe. I've never quite understood that. But if that's the sort of thing that makes sense to you, have at it. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks especially to those who support this show as well uh, by becoming a member or making one-time donations to this program. That is how the show survives. Uh, everyone can support the show, of course, just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like. All that can be done easily through the show notes on the blog. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Fine, fine, black and white. You took apart a picture that wasn't right. The only maker that you wanna meet. And I